So I've been preaching through John here in uh, chapter 14. I'll have you turn there and and maybe give you a little background on uh, where we're going to be here. John chapter 14 is where I want to read this morning. But in John 13 is where we actually see the beginning of this Last Supper. And what I see as being the most important things that our Lord Jesus wants to share with his disciples before he is crucified. Before he goes to the Father. Over and over again in this message to them. A very somber message where they are saddened that he's going away. He tries to cheer them. He tries to encourage them. He tries to point them in the right direction. So that while they await his return, they could be busy about the work of God. They could be fruitful. They could be joyful. They could have some comfort. They could have some peace in life. Until he returns. And so he knows all of those things. And he, he uh, is there with his people. And you know something we don't see in John's gospel is. There was the, the argument again. It showed up again. It's in Luke's gospel. But it shows up again where the disciples are arguing. Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Who's going to sit at his right hand. Who's going to sit at his left hand. How, how, how's the hierarchy going to go. Who's going to be most important in the church? And so in 13, we see Jesus do something that we would not expect him to do. He gets up and takes off his robe, puts a towel around his waist, and he takes the lowest position in that group, washing their feet. And he's leaving them an example that this is how you're going to get through suffering. Because you're going to suffer for my name's sake. How you get through that is you're going to love one another and you're not going to fight over position. You're not going to fight over title. You're going to serve one another. And in the time that I have seen folks in the church and loved folks in the church and and have seen folks leave the church, it's because we somehow have lost that sense of serving one another in the body. We started jockeying, it seems, for position. And we've lost that whole attitude of humility and service. And so Jesus, knowing that he's going away, says, this is really important for you to get. I'm going to demonstrate what you ought to be doing in the body of Christ. And then he goes on and he identifies his betrayer and he says, I'm sending him out. And he does. He sends Judas Iscariot out and we never see him again until he shows up in the garden. This one who is going to point out the master Betraying his master. And uh, then, you know, in the end here in John 13, where Peter says, you know, I am never going to betray you. I'm never going to stop loving you. I'm always going to serve you. I'm going to be with you wherever you are. And Jesus says, no, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. What a shock. 
You know, our prayers this morning, we heard our prayers this morning all speaking about our own sins before God. How have we failed God this week? How have we failed Him in our thoughts, in our emotions, in our desires, in our will? And yet Jesus goes on loving us and then says for us to love each other. So it leads us right into this section in 14 where he is speaking about love and he's speaking about love in a very specific way. So let me pick up here in verse 15. John 14 verse 15 where he says... To those 11 who are there, Judas Iscariot's gone. He says to the 11, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. A little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. At that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. This is our reading here, and this is the section of scripture that I want to share with you, five marks that I see in the text here of those who love Jesus. These characteristics in their lives that show that they love Jesus. And I think that is so important for us. How do we know what true love looks like? How do we know what it looks like in the church. How do we know what true love to God looks like? And I see these five marks here in this text that I've just read that point us in the right direction as characteristic marks of those who truly love Jesus. Let me give you that first mark. That first mark is those who love Jesus keep his commandments. 
Those who love Jesus keep his commandments. You can see that there in verse 15. And he says this over and over again, not just in chapter 14. He says it in 15. He says it in 16. He keeps on saying this. If you love me, keep my commandments. Well, that's a chief mark then, a chief characteristic of those who love Jesus. Keep as in do. That's the first thing I want you to note about that. Keep as in do. Do what I command you to do. What did he command them there at the Last Supper? As I have loved you, love one another. That, that's one of the commandments that he's most concerned about in the body. I want you to love each other as I have loved you. I've loved you sacrificially. There are things that you have done that would be under judgment if I sat as judge over you. But here I am come to save you from your sins and I want you to be loving to each other. I want you to be forgiving to one another. And this is how we demonstrate it by keeping his word, keeping his commandments. And let me tell you, there are a lot of churches where love is in pockets we love the people in our clique. We love the people in our group. Because it's a tendency in all groups that come together that we kind of get around the people we like most or who are most like us. And then we don't really like those others over there because they're not quite like us. And we begin to form cliques within the body. And Jesus is combating this by saying as I have loved you love one another he's the supreme mark for us he's the one that kept the father's commandments keep as in do I want you to consider this too for a moment that we as image bearers of God we have a duty to keep God's commandments it's our duty to do that whether we like it or not it's our duty to keep God's word so Jesus is saying here you need my word and I want you to keep it I think I heard up here this morning too a wonderful wonderful little segment of teaching here it's more than just information right because there's a lot of us here that have gotten tons of information. We read books. We watch YouTube videos. We have conversations. We've got tons and tons of information. But what do we do with it? We're overwhelmed with information. But do we live it? Do we actually live out those commandments that God has given to us through Christ? Love one another as I have loved you. Do you do that? We ought to be doing that. That should be the chief thing. That's his concern here. Outward actions are important, but they are not enough. You know, we can go through the motions. You ever heard that phrase? I'm just going through the motions. Just trying to make it through the week. 
my heart wasn't in it. My head wasn't in it. I wasn't thinking rightly. And it leads to a poor performance. We don't quite measure up. You see, so when we keep God's commandments, it's more than just outward actions. Something more is required. The heart needs to be engaged. Our inward motives must be right. We need to keep the commandments because we love Him. We love Him. Think about it in the context of church again. I don't want to come to church because I don't love that person over there. And I know that person doesn't love me. Well, why are you coming to church? Are you coming to church for that person? Or are you coming to church because of Jesus? Is Jesus there? Is He with us today? Is God here today? And if you got a problem with a brother or sister in the congregation, then you go make those things right. But you're here not for them. You're here for Christ. And you're here to obey Christ to keep His commandments. And oh, if that convicts you, then, you know, after the service, then you go over there and you find that brother that you're offended by. Brother, I need to talk with you. Let's, let's go to some private place and let's talk these things out. Because I want to I want to get things right. I want to love you. And I don't understand why you don't quite love me. Isn't that his commandment here in this section? I mean, we think about all the other commandments. And again, this is I'm laboring this one point. I told uh, my dear brother, your pastor, I said I might have to make this first message a two-parter. I might not have time for the second message because this is so important for us. So normally I would share a point with you and make it. I'd try to prove it from Scripture and then I'd move on. This, this is the essence of life with God. A joyful obedience to God in the presence of God and in the presence of the redeemed. And I can't say I get along with God, but I don't get along with you. Does it happen? Keep as in do. Inward motives must also be right. We ought to keep the commandments because we love Him and we love all those that He has been pleased to save by His sovereign grace. We ought to be keeping these things like Jesus did, not just with our actions, but with our heart on fire for God and God's glory. And what more glorious thing to be forgiving and loving like Jesus in the body. Amen? Keep also as in treasure and guard. So the first thing I wanted you to think about on this was keep as in due that, that uh, obligation of duty. But here the second thing under this head is keep 
as in treasure and guard. Remember, where were the Ten Commandments kept? They were kept in the Ark, the Ark of the Covenant, the great treasure box of God. That's where it was treasured, that's where it was housed. God's word reverence there, guarded there. Think about some of the things that you treasure and guard in your own house. You know, maybe you put them on display, maybe you put them in a box, but you treasure them. I can think about my grandmother's letters. I love my grandmother's letters. She's with the Lord Jesus now. But I read those letters and and I get a I get a glimpse at who she was. And I can remember the experiences that I had with her. But it's a sweet thing. You know, I've been married for 37 years to my beloved wife. I've got some cards and photographs from her and from my kids. Those are treasures to me. And I, I guard them. I protect them. Because I look at them and I am reminded of the times we had together, the love that we share together. It's the same thing with the Lord's Word. We ought to treasure and guard. This is the sense of keep. So my point is that those who love Jesus, they ought to have this mark that is the essence of life with God. That is, they ought to keep His commandments out of love for Him. That's how they prove their love for God. Let me move on to this second point. The second mark that I see here is in verse 16 and also in verse 18. Now I'm going to get to verse 17, but I see it in verse 16 and I see it in verse 18. The second mark of those who love Jesus are that they unite with God's Spirit. They unite with God's Spirit. So that first mark was that they keep Jesus' commandments. The second is they unite with God's Spirit. We could put it another way. We could say they are united with God's Spirit. But they unite with God's Spirit. Let me read 16 again. And I will pray the Father... And he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. And then verse 18, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So just like we need the word of the Lord in our lives, we need to do it. We need to treasure it. We need to guard it. Christ gives us a yardstick to measure our love. We also need God's help. We need God's help to do what he commands us to do. I mean, it's right for us to do what he commands us, but we need his help. And so notice what Jesus says here. I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. So we are given another helper to help us Keep the commandments in love. Sent by the Father, this paraclete, 
This helper is just like Christ. Said, so you've had me for three years or more, and I've been helping you along the way to not only hear God's word and know what you are to do in life, but to see it. To see it in action. And I've been with you every step of the way. But now I've got something to do and I'm going to go away. I'm like that man who goes away into the far country. We read that parable this morning. There's a parallel to that. There's another parable where it speaks about this nobleman that goes to the far country to receive a kingdom. That's Jesus. So in the meantime, what do we do? It's not enough just to have the rules of how to live. We need, we need a helper to demonstrate to us how we are to live. So there's another helper to help us keep the word of God. The commandments of Christ. Let me give you a reference here. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 18. In that reference there, 2 Corinthians 12, 18, Titus is sent by Paul. Now remember, Paul helped the Corinthians. He shared the gospel with them. They came to faith in Christ. He helped them learn of Christ, but it was time for Paul to leave. Paul sent Titus, who was just like Paul. It says in that verse that were we not of the same spirit? Didn't we walk in the same steps? See, there was another helper that was sent to the Corinthians. The point I'm trying to make here is that's exactly what the Spirit of God is for us. Someone just like Jesus sent to be with us and in us. God's Spirit regenerates us. Makes us alive to God. We are born again. The Spirit comes and and we hear the call of God to come. To come to Christ and receive forgiveness of sins. To come for that mercy and grace that we long for in our lives. Because we know we've messed up. We've made mistakes. And the only one who could forgive us is Christ. And the call goes out. The call goes out to everyone and the Spirit makes that effective in drawing the elect to Jesus. And they are born again and He sanctifies them, sets them apart from the world, sets them unto God through Christ. They're sanctified by the Word and then they are indwelt by the Spirit of God. He unites us to Christ. So there is this union, this spiritual union that we have with Christ. It's an organic unity that we share. 
Because we have been born of God's spirit. And we bond like a newborn baby. I mean, think about all of the, the kids and the kids in the back. I mean, it, I, I love that. You know, a newborn, you, you, you hold that newborn close. You bond with the baby. Men and women, dads and moms, you know. You feed that baby. You're with that baby. That baby is always with you. You're protecting, you're providing. The Spirit of God is doing that with us. You know how those babies, you know, remember the on the blanket and then they roll over and uh, then they roll again and they roll. pretty soon they're not just rolling, they're getting up and, and they're trying to move and, and take a step. And then we see their first steps. Yeah! Hopefully we caught it on video. And then they walk. And then they run. I mean, who helped them do that? Who helped them walk? Who helps us walk spiritually? The Spirit of God helps us. In Ezekiel 36, verse 27, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. What happens when we are spiritually joined together with Christ? Paul says it in Philippians 1, verse 27, standing fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together. You see, there is one body of Christ. Many members, but one body. This church here and the church where your pastor is preaching, we are part of one body. Yes, local representations, but one body in Christ. Not many bodies. One body. It's just like the metaphor of bride. Christ doesn't have two brides. He doesn't have a Gentile bride and a Jewish bride. He's got one bride. So we are consciously united with him as we grow up in our faith. This is why I said that those who love Jesus unite with God's spirit because there's a time when we grow up and not only are we organically united by the spirit, spiritually united with Christ, there's a connection there, but we are conscious of it. We are aware of it and say yes to God. Yes to the commandments. And we say, oh God, I want to do your will. What does my word say? Well, I read here in the chapter, it says that I'm to love one another as Jesus loved us. Do that. Let me help you do that. And we could go through the New Testament and pick out a whole sheet, a legal pad of different commands that we are given. But there's the primary command. 
Who will help us do it? The Spirit of God. Like the parent that helps the child walk. I've been wrestling with my van for the past month. Radiator problems. Water pump. Thermostat. A whole laundry list there. You know what I have to help me? I got a Chilton's manual. I look through that Chilton's manual and it gives me the directions. It tells me what I need to do, what I need to take off, what I need to put on, and it's helpful to me. But you know what I really need? I need a mechanic. <laughs> I need somebody to show up who knows that book forwards and backwards and says, here, Jeff, let me help you with that. Here, get down here and let's uh, turn the wrench together. I need the mechanic. The point I'm trying to make here, the Bible, that's the Chilton's manual. The mechanic is the Spirit of God. He's helping me to walk in those commandments. I'm united with God's Spirit. You're going to hate me for doing this, but I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to make this a two-parter and I'll save the afternoon message for another time when I might be able to share a blessing with you. Let me let me try to wrap up these two points. Jesus says in 18, "I will not leave you orphans." I will come to you. How does he come to us? He's going to be with the Father. He's going to physically be with the Father. But he is going to be spiritually present with us. And the Spirit of God is being sent by the Father and the Son to all of those that have been given to the Son, the elect of God. Those those ones who are babies that need the parent to help walk to be fed, to be protected and loved. So we are not orphaned in life if we belong to Jesus. And there may be times when you are going through difficulty, whether it's difficulty in church, difficulty at home, difficulty at school, difficulty at work, and you feel like you are all alone and there's nobody there with you. They don't understand you. And they shun you. And you're off by yourself. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like you're all alone in a troubling circumstance in life? I mean, think about husband and wife and they get to arguing about something stupid and then they're off to their corners maybe you know they've got some arguing that has happened prior to that and they've called each other names or they've got heated in the exchange god forbid it ever comes to blows but there's an argument 
and things in the house aren't right, where do they go? They go apart. And I guarantee you that one, if not both, say, you know what, I feel like I'm all alone in this. Jesus said, you're not alone in this. How are you handling this according to my word? Consider yourself first. You know, I know how it is. Because we get off by ourselves and we start justifying ourselves to God or to whoever will listen. You know, I'm right in this. They should have done that. We don't tear apart ourselves the way we tear apart the other. We need help, don't we? We've got the we've got the manual. It's right here. We need help. We need the Spirit of God to work in us. To bring us to that place where we say, Honey, I messed up here. And we look at our spouse and we say, you know, God's word says this. I should have been leading in this way as the husband here, and I haven't. And I'm asking for your forgiveness. Ladies, you may say to yourself, you know, God's ripping me up too. I feel it. I've been weeping before God. And I want you to know that I love you. And not only do I forgive you, I hope and pray that you forgive me because I've messed up in this too. We need another helper. You see, why am I laboring these two points? Because these are the two marks that are at the beginning of what we see here when Jesus is speaking about love. Love toward other people. It's not a self-love, it's love that we demonstrate to others. And it begins in our house. Maybe it's something that you've fallen out of sorts with your kids and you can make it right. You can be the dad and lead. You can be the mom and lead. But somehow you need to bring them together so that they are open to the word of God. Because I guarantee you that if you rule with an iron fist and they don't see grace in your teaching demonstrated in your home, they will run from God when they can. They'll do it while they're there. And when they're 18, they're gone. And they may never darken the door of a church again. Why? Because we didn't seek help. We were too proud to ask God for help. Maybe it's a co-worker. I mean, you could add things here. Maybe it's a sibling. I mean, do you think when you grow up and, and your siblings and you all have your houses here, there, and wherever, do you think it's all going to be perfect and rosy? 
No, you're going to be challenged there too. Everywhere you are going to be challenged in your faith to demonstrate the love of Christ to them. To embody the truth as Jesus embodies the truth. And we can only do that if we are truly born again of God. Are you born again? Has God called you to Christ? As he said, come, find that forgiveness, find that mercy that you long for. Or do we still hold up the hand to God? See, if that relationship isn't right, then all the other relationships are going to be off too. Your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your kids, if you don't get it right with God, you're not going to get it right with them. And what's one of the marks of someone who loves Jesus? He's united with God's Spirit. She's united with God's Spirit. She keeps His commandments. He keeps the commandments of Christ. So you see where we're at. I mean, that's enough to chew on, isn't it? And we ought to be asking ourselves in our quiet moment here, God, is there something that I have done in my relationships where I have been disobedient to you? I've not kept your commandments. And I haven't demonstrated love to others. Now again, we're not talking about perfection. I heard that too up here before I came. We are sinners saved by grace. And even when we want to, even when we yearn to do what is right, and even when we try with all our might, there's still that mixture of error and sin and and our fallibility in it. But that should never prevent us from doing what He commands us to do. And walking with him. Consciously being united with him. God does make the union happen. And God most certainly makes it work. If you belong to Jesus. You will keep his commandments. However poorly at times you may do it. But you will keep his commandments. And you will be united together with God's Spirit in it. Well, let me stop there and we'll pick this back up at our uh, afternoon service here with the remaining marks. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we humbly bow in our hearts before you and we recognize that We are sinners in need of not just instruction, but we need you. We need you, Lord. We need your word and we need you. And so the ones I pray for first here 
are those who have not yet come to faith in Christ, but they're right there on the precipice. They hear the call. Come to Christ. Come and be saved from your sins. Come to where there's forgiveness and mercy. Because Jesus is the one that took our sins upon himself on the cross and died for sinners like us. And if you hear him calling you, oh, don't resist. Come. Come like that penitent sinner there in the temple courtyard who couldn't even lift his eyes up to the heavens. Father, we pray that you would do that. Draw sinners to Jesus today through your word. And then for those of us, Lord, that you have worked such a a miracle of new birth in. Oh, Lord, work in us in such a way that that we can't help ourselves day after day. We want to do your word. We can't help ourselves but to do it. And help us to do it better and better as we grow up into Christ and become a mature person in Jesus Christ. Help us, O Lord, to shed our childish ways and to be clothed with the full maturity of Jesus Christ. May you be pleased, O Lord, to work in the congregation in this way. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.